So we're in the middle of John 13 to 15, and one of the reasons why we chose this scripture is because it's January, and it's the new year, and we couldn't think of a better, more profound, grippy, impacting scripture than um, the, the last, the upper room discourse, which is John 13 to um, 16. But I was thinking about the best way to communicate the idea of uh, where we're going today and what Jesus says to his uh, disciples during the Last Supper. And uh, but just not the idea, but just the feeling behind the idea. And so from this uh, passage that we're going into, um, it just seemed to me like, as I was thinking, like, okay, how can I best communicate the, the, the idea and the feeling behind the idea. And then a, um, a movie scene came to me. And at the time, I thought, that would be a great way to start the message. And so uh, I wanted to uh, remind you and kind of like um, quote for you a, a scene from Lord of the Rings. Y- you all with me? Um, when it comes to a movie like that, I realize that some people love it, and some people still don't understand that movie, and some people hate it, and some people have not seen it, uh, but, but, but others of you, um, nothing would say the point better than a scene from Lord of the Rings. So this is really for the three of you. Uh, okay, um, so Frodo is standing at the water's edge. It's the end of the first movie. And his hand is open, and there is the one ring to rule them all uh, in his palm. Y'all with me? The three of you, are you with me? And uh, in the background, running in the woods back over there, is um, Samwise Gamgee. And he's like, Frodo! Frodo, right, and he's running, right, and here is um, Frodo, he's at the water's edge, there's a river, there's a boat, and there's the other side, and in the distance there's Mordor, right, and his, his mission is to destroy the ring, I mean, okay, so he's got this mission, it's in his palm, and, uh, and you got Samwise running and saying, Frodo, okay, and then what you see is a close-up of of Elijah Wood's face, and he's staring into an unknown future, and there is silence, right? And then in his mind, and you can hear it, he goes, I wish the ring had never come to me. And then there's one tear that drops, right? And you kind of like you're kind of sucked in and right. And then suddenly, you're not expecting it, um, you hear the voice of Gandalf. And it and he says, So do everyone, but that is not for them to decide. What is for them to decide is what to do with the time that is given to you. And then the music plays, and then Elijah Wood's face, and then there's this moment you can see just in his face, because Elijah Wood can just communicate it so well through his dreamy eyes, right? And where the heart and the mind come together, and there's a steely resolve, and so he closes his fist, And then he runs, uh, pushes the boat off, jumps in the boat, grabs the oar, and he is off on his mission, okay? But then in the background, you see Samwise, and he's he's like, Frodo, Frodo, 
Rhoda. And he's still, and he's like running down from the woods, and he stops at the water's edge, and he's, he looks, and Frodo's there, and Frodo's kind of going, but Frodo's not turning back, and he's look, and he just thinks about it for a second. And then what he does, he, just, he starts running after Frodo. Now, he can't walk on water. It's not that kind of story, so he's starting to sink. And he's like, Frodo, and then he's basically underneath the water. And what Frodo does is he turns around, and then you see Samwise Gamgee in the water, and he's sinking, right? Uh, but before that, he says this. He goes, he goes uh, 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 Frodo says, I'm going to Mordor alone. And Sam says, of course you are. And I'm coming with you. And he turns back, you can't swim. But, you know, Sam doesn't, he doesn't care. And he's starting to drown. And then you've seen, like, like Sam, he's floating in the water. He's about to drown. And all of a sudden, a hand comes in the water and, 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 and grabs Samwise Gamgee, pulls him into the boat. They embrace. And then Sam says, I made a promise, Frodo. I made a promise, don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee, and I don't mean to. And then they're like, and then they embrace, and then they're off together on this journey. I'm done now. <laughs> Thank you. Um, now, no, yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was pretty good, actually. Um, now, Frodo goes on this journey that brings new meaning to the word pain and the word suffering. He goes through just unspeakable agony, and um, it is a journey that Frodo partakes that is impossible to do without Samwise Gamgee, right? Just, there's no way that Frodo can do what he's called to do without Samwise. And, and if you know, Sam Wise, who used to be his gardener, is now his helper, his companion, his friend, his advocate. One time, one time, uh, Frodo has like nothing left in the tank. And you guys remember Sam Wise, like, well, if I can't carry the ring, I'll carry you. And he picks up Frodo and they go up the mountain. You guys remember that scene? You guys? Um, and then to the very end, Frodo cannot do the mission. There's no way, no way, no way he's going to do it without Samwise Gamgee. And arguably, Samwise is the real hero. Does anyone know where I'm going with this today? You're like, um, three of you are in tears. The rest of you are like, I lost the rest of you. But um, the big idea of the scripture that we're going in today is that God has called each one of you to a very difficult mission. Uh, I don't know if you have felt that recently. Um, can, can you put the mission in, like, in, in a very like pregnant sentence? Uh, the mission is to live a life of self-giving love. Let me put it like this. I mean, Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. Like, what kind of standard is that? Jesus is saying, as I have loved you, you love one another. Like, this is the love where the Lord of the universe gets on his knees and washes dirty, smelly feet, all right? And then Jesus turns to them and says, that's what I want you to do for each other for the rest of your lives, Okay. Now, let me just put it like this. I, I think of my friend who is struggling with this. 
She works all day. She comes home and she cooks dinner for her kids and she helps them with homework. And then her husband comes home late and he's cranky. She says to me, how am I supposed to be kind when I got nothing left in the tank? And so I, I, I said to my wife, uh, you have a difficult mission. <clears throat> if you really take seriously what Jesus says, like if you're, if you're honest, it, it leads you to this place like, okay, there's, okay, I hear it. I don't think I can really do it. Not love like you love Jesus. And, uh, and then just imagine like Jesus is sending to you, uh, to your Frodo, a Samwise Gamgee, because there's no way you can accomplish the mission without help. If there is a principle for today, it's this. God never calls you to something without giving you what you need to do it. God never calls you to something without giving you what you need to do it. Some of you are students, you've come back, you're looking at your schedule, you're looking at the exam, you're looking at the clinic time, you're looking at all the things that you want to do, and you're like, there's no way I can do it the way God's calling me to do it. Yeah, you need help. And then a lot of us are in that situation And God's never going to call you to do something without giving you the resources to do it. And that's the big idea for today. Now, um, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into verse 15. It's going to be 15 to 20, okay? It's not that many verses today, but here's the thing. I'm just going to give you a little bit of a table of contents. We're going to talk about love and obedience, okay? Okay? And then we're going to talk about the giving of the Holy Spirit and how that relates to love and obedience, all right? I want everyone to kind of follow with me today. Love, obedience, and then we're going to talk about how the giving of the Holy Spirit relates to that. We're going to camp out on verse 15 for a little bit, at least a little bit, all right? And then what we want to do is ask the question like, okay, the giving of the Holy Spirit, what does he do? And then we're going to look from 17 to 20 really quickly and think about, think out loud, examine what does the Holy Spirit do in light of this passage, okay? So it's, that's, that's the simple recipe for where we're going today. Pray with me. <clears throat> Father God, um, I, I guess I can imagine Jesus coming up here and saying to each one of us, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And so I pray that it would just be like that. That as we listen to your words, it would be like we're in that upper room, we're in that intimate dinner. Jesus comes and says, if you love me, you will obey. Help us to understand what Jesus meant by these words. Help us to be moved to the point of obedience today. May your word find its home in our heart. And may you produce the kind of fruit that gives you glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
Um, pretty simple. Um, the, the obvious observation from verse 15 is that it seems like loving Jesus and keeping his commandments, obedience, they go hand in hand. They go together, okay? Now let's take this a little bit further. Uh, I believe in the taking this little further and understanding what this means. I think there's a front door way of understanding this and receiving it, but I also think there's a back door way of receiving this verse as well, okay? Front door way, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is like if you really love Jesus, it will flow into obedience, If you love Jesus, that love will work itself out. There'll be an evidence of that love. What is the evidence of that love? Well, it's obedience. It's it's keeping the commandments of Jesus. And so the measure of that love is not demonstrated in the height of feeling, but in the follow-through of obedience. Do you really love Jesus? Do Do you really love him? Well, let's not look at the depth or the height or your poetry. Let's look at the output of obedience. So this front door way of understanding this verse, it invites self-examination. It invites repentance. There is a lot there. But let me also just say um, there is a backdoor way of reading this too. Now, um, I, my, my background, my cu- cultural upbringing um, uh, as, an, as an Asian American, I, I come from an overachieving background. And so, um, and so I read this sort of in a different way. Um, and I read the, the, when Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Uh, I read this like Jesus saying, I don't just want your obedience. I don't just want your dutiful, obligatory performance. What I want is your heart. I want your devoted heart. And if your, your heart is with me and you love me, then it's going to flow into a beautiful kind of obedience. And it seems like that is what Jesus is after, a devoted heart that flows into a beautiful obedience. Um, now, when I became a Christian, I read a book. It was about spiritual disciplines. And again, I, I, I come from a very performance-oriented background. It's very broken. And, uh, and so when I became a Christian, I decided I'm going to become a very good Christian. I don't want to be a C-minus Christian. I want to be like, um, I want to be an A-plus Christian. And so I read this book, and I'm like, I'm going to do everything this book is saying to do. I'm going to hit those quiet times. You know, I'm going to read the Bible, and I'm going to join this ministry. I'm going to try to do everything right. And I was doing that, and I call this a certain syndrome where you have busy hands but an empty heart. Busy hands, empty heart. And that was me. And I was doing that for about two years. This is at the end of college. And at the end of the two years, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. I got burned out. I just like, uh, I didn't feel like doing quiet times, and so I didn't do them. And I didn't feel like doing ministry, and so I just stopped doing them. And finally, at the end of two years, I realized, finally... Jesus is not after my busy hands. He's after a devoted heart. 
and that devoted heart works its way, yes, towards busy hands, but a beautiful kind of obedience. Let me uh, give you another story that I, I hope might um, put some legs on what Jesus is talking about. Um, so recently, I was talking to my son in, in the car, and we we're talking about preparing our family for missions. And, you know, like, it was like in May or before that, we, we told uh, Ryan and my kids, like, uh, you know, we feel called to the mission field. And so he understands, and, and quite honestly, when he heard it, it was hard for him to process. And so we've just been, like, kind of talking to him about it here and there. But anyway, we're in the car. This is not too long ago. And I'm asking him, hey, how do you feel about moving to Taiwan? Or it could be China, but it's probably Taiwan. How do you feel about moving to Taiwan? And he goes, Dad, I don't want to go. And uh, I think there was some clarity in my mind at that point. Because I, I think before, in, in one sense, because he's like 13 years old, I'm trying to appeal to his 13-year-old mind, which is like, you know, there's good things in Taiwan too, just like there's good things in America. Like, let's talk about how good their boba is. Amen? Like, and by the way, they have some, they have a really unique boba, and anyway, the food there is really good. But I didn't have much more than that, honestly, right? And so it's like I'm trying to appeal to practical ways, but I don't have a great approach. So finally in this car ride, I just said to Ryan, do you know why we're going? And he's like, no. And I said, well, it's kind of like this. Um, like many years ago, mommy and daddy, we fell in love with God. And when you love God, you just start to love what he loves. And right now in other places, there are all these people who have never heard the gospel, they never have a Bible, and according to Romans, the best we know, when they die, you know, they're going, they, 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 they die eternally. And so this, 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 is, this is weighing heavy on our hearts. And so because we love God, we, we feel called to go, and so we're willing to go and obey the Lord. And I said, do you understand that? And he goes, yeah, I think I understand. And that was, that was a big breakthrough. But, but my point is, in the shepherding of my son, it's not like, hey, look, God said go, we're going to go, period, Right? But it's more of like it's coming from this place of loving God and buying into his agenda and seeing his values and then my heart's change and so the love flows into obedience. And I really feel like when, when God talks about obedience, that's the kind of obedience he's looking for. Not, not obligation, not dutiful, just got to do it, just grind it out. But it's one that I'm doing it because I love you, God. I'm serving in this ministry because I love you, God. I'm loving this very hard-to-love person because I love you, God. Not just because I have to, but with the entirety of my heart. Verse 15, 16. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Verse 16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. 
Okay, so if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, right? So love flows into obedience. We've covered that. And now there's another idea. Jesus is going to pray. He's going to ask God. And God's going to send you another helper to be with you forever. It seems like a different idea. Now let me just ask you, how are these ideas related? Love flows into obedience. Jesus is looking for that kind of love and obedience. And by the way, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. Seems to be, in a sense, like a different idea. What I'd like you to do is just turn to someone next to you, and I'd like to see, like, are these two different messages? Are these two different sermons? How are they related? Why is Jesus talking about the Comforter when he is just exploded our minds with a big concept of loving and obeying. Why don't you turn to someone next to you and share. Just going to give you 30 seconds. Just check in. Go. Uh, and how about the next person? Okay, um, I want to give you my take on this. When, when I was reading uh, this scripture, and I've been meditating on this scripture the, the whole week, it wasn't really clear to me exactly, like, what the relationship was. Like, that was one of my questions, um, and so this is what, what I did. Um, next Sunday, uh, Calvin mentioned this last Sunday, but we have about seven to ten men from um, the city team men's recovery program, and they're coming to be baptized at our church. And so this happened last year, and it was so exciting to like just be a part of the, the spiritual transformation of these men. Even just a small part, but it's such an honor to be there and to use our church and our community and our, and our baptismal in such a way. And so, uh, by the way, we're going to do another lunch for them and really excited to receive them. So, I called Jonathan and I said, you know, since they're coming over, can I get a chance to meet the men and maybe do a Bible study? And so he said, sure, come on over. And so Will and Scott came with me and they shared their uh, testimony and that was really encouraging. That was really exciting just to see them kind of sharing about God's grace in their lives and encouraging the men. But anyways, I was wondering, like, for this Bible study... What scripture should I, should I share with them? And then it just occurred to me, why not share with them John 14 and see what they think about the, these few verses? So I did. So I, I, I went there, I, I read the verses to them. You know, Jesus says, if you love me, uh, you will obey my commands. And then I just wanted to hear what they had to think. And, what, and then right around there where, where Jared is, uh, there is a, a man whose hand is shot right up. And I said, uh, yeah, brother, what, what are you thinking? And he said, he said well, um, I love Jesus, but I'm having a hard time with the obedience. 
Like, I, I, I love him, but I keep on failing in the obedience. And then I'm looking around the room, and like all the men are like nodding their head. And so it was one of those moments where they're just being totally honest. Like, how do you respond to verse 15? It's like, no, I love him, but I find it really, really hard to obey him. Like, what Jesus is saying and asking for is really, really hard in my experience. And I'm just thinking about our community. Like, if we're really honest, we take off the masks. Like, 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 like for example, uh, uh, it, it's really hard, like, for example, for a lot of us to say, you know, I love Jesus, but it's really hard to be sexually pure. Really, really hard. You know, I'm struggling with that, right? And, and so I, I kind of took this one young man to say, I struggle with this, and I'm thinking, hold it, we all struggle with this. Isn't this how we interact with the text? Like, love them? Yeah, I do love them, but it, obeying them is really hard. And so, suddenly, I'm in the middle of this Bible study, and it dawned on me, that is exactly why we have verse 16. I mean, it kind of goes like this. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And our honest is like, Jesus, I do love you, but I find it very hard to obey you. And then imagine Jesus said, okay, right, I, I know this, I get it. And that is why, verse 16, I'm going to pray to God the Father. And God the Father is going to give you another helper. And that another helper is going to be with you forever. In other words, I get it. I know you need help. But I'm not calling you to do something without giving you what you need to get it done. And so the, the resource comes in the form of the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus asks God, and God gives us the Holy Spirit. Now, um, let, let me talk a little bit more about the helper, and then we're going to ask the question, like, okay, what does the Holy Spirit do? So Jesus says, I'm going to pray, ask God, and God the Father is going to send you God the Spirit who is the helper. Did you know that the new King James Version Instead of the word helper, it says the comforter. Like a really, really big shoulder to cry on. The NIV says advocate. This is more legal. Like in a court of law, you have a lawyer who's going to argue your case with, uh, with uh, compelling arguments um, in a very logical and articulate way that pleads your case. The RSVP says the counselor. There's, there's wisdom. He's right by your side. He is God, the counselor, who's going to whisper in your ear and give you really, really good sage advice. But I think my favorite is the ESV, which is the helper. Now, um, I think Tolkien would say uh, the, the Samwise Gamgee, you know? The Greek word for this, for the helper, is perikletos. You guys want to say that with me? Perikletos? Which means call to one side. Call to one side. A person coming to the aid of another, suggesting capability and adaptability in giving help or aid. Just the kind of help you need at the moment to get the job done and to be the person God has called you to be. Okay, now... We are asking, well, how does the Holy Spirit give us aid? This part is going to be really quick, but let me make this really clear. 
The Holy Spirit gives you help to do what? Verse 15, to love and obey Jesus. It, it, I mean, love and obey Jesus, that is the prime directive. And we go, I need help. And Jesus says, don't worry, I'm going to give you help in the form of God's Spirit who's going to help you do what? Love and obey Jesus. So that is the first purpose of his help. Verse 17, you might say, well, how does he do this? Even the spirit of truth. Okay, so here, God is sending a helper, right? And the subtitle to how he helps is, he communicates truth. And you're wondering, like, truth about what? Truth about the world? Truth about God. Now, I think you're going to see this more in 20. But the idea is that God is ultimate reality. The Holy Spirit is going to give you insight into ultimate reality. He is going to help you see and perceive God. He's going to help you see God. Whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Really quickly. If the Holy Spirit is not going to be with you, just with you, but also inside you, then you would expect that he would influence your thoughts, your emotions, your desires. He would change you in there, right? Not just dwell with you, but be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Um, I will come to you. I think Jesus is referring to his his post-resurrection bodily appearance. Uh, I will be crucified on the cross. I will resurrect and come back to you in bodily form. Yet a little while and the world will see me nor, no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, this is verse 20, you will know. Now, I read in that day as the day that Jesus comes back and then he breathes on the disciples. This is John 20, 22. And in the breathing of, to his disciples, he is filling them with the Holy Spirit. In that day, you will know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I am in my Father. The unity between Jesus and God the Father. And you in me, your intimacy with Jesus, and I in you. So the Holy Spirit is going to give you that spiritual truth clarity so you can see God. And uh, that's one of the main ways, main things that the Holy Spirit does. He helps you see God. Now, I remember talking to a woman at our church, and I asked her how she became a Christian, and she said, I went to Layman. I was listening to one of our former pastors. I didn't get it. Didn't make sense to me. You know, they were up here and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, and then my friend invited me back and I came back. I don't know why I came back. And I sat in the pew and suddenly I got it. I understood it. I, I just realized that God was real and I need Jesus. Now, what is that? That is the Holy Spirit. He lets you see, he allows you to see God. I'll give you another example. Uh, our former chairman of the board, didn't grow up in church, you know, had some friends that were Christian, got a Bible, reading the Bible, and he's reading the Bible, and he just knows that the Bible is true. 
He would say, I, I can't explain how I knew. I just knew. I was reading it and I knew it was true. How did he know? That's the Holy Spirit. He helps you to see. He helps you to know spiritual truth. I'll give you one more example. My father-in-law was in Hong Kong. He's on the MTR. He wasn't a Christian. He's reading like this, you know, you know one of those Christian tracts where in the end there's this prayer to receive Jesus. He's reading this, and he's like, oh, look at it. There's a prayer at the end. He goes, I'm going to pray that prayer. I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell my wife, and she's a Christian. She's trying to be share Christ with me. And she's going to get all excited. I'm going to say, and it didn't work. So he prays the prayer. And he says, and there was like a light switch with my name on heaven. And at that moment, God flicked it on. And I have never stopped believing. What do you call that? Uh, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He helps a person see God. Now, you're not going to love Jesus and obey him unless you see God. What does the Holy Spirit do? He helps us see God. I imagine that for many of us, our most desperate need, whether we realize it or not, is to see and enjoy God. How do we do that? Through the power of the Holy Spirit. I have one more story. Um, Jeff, Jeff Ho, would you come up here, please? Would you, would you join me up here, brother? Okay, now I promised, Laura, that I was going to... Um, uh, get a video of you up here. So let me just uh, set this up a little bit. Um, here we go. Okay. Everyone, this is Jeff Ho. And uh, Jeff is a great guy. Um, he has been coming to our church for about two years now. He joined the best home group, which happens to be my home group. I'm just kidding. He is married to, to Laura and uh, he's one of our prayer uh, ministers. If you ever get the opportunity to have Jeff pray for you, you will be blessed, okay? That's guaranteed. And he lives in Richmond. And one more thing, it's a fun fact. Whenever you invite Jeff to a potluck, Jeff will inevitably bring KFC. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know. I know things. Okay. Now, um, Jeff, I'm just hoping that you can kind of tell us your story, and then I have maybe one or two questions to follow up. But Jeff, would you tell us your, your, your story, like how you came to faith in Jesus? Yeah, so uh, Jeff, I, my wife is actually, it's recording because my wife's flying right now back from business. Um, but um, so I actually grew up in San Francisco. Um, I didn't grow up Christian even right now. I came from, a, like probably many of you, a large immigrant Chinese family. And even right now, uh, my wife and I are the only Christians in our family. So I didn't grow up Christian. I didn't uh, really know God or go to church or anything. But it just so happens that my childhood friends, um, they all went to church. They were part of the uh, Chinese immigrant church or Korean immigrant church. Um, but also, <laughs> during this time, maybe because we grew up in the city, um, in high school, we started uh, to get into drugs. And we started to do, do drugs and get high. Uh, pretty much every week or something. Um, and during this time, I would just, for some reason, when we got high, we would just have these spiritual conversations. I would ask. <laughs> and they knew everything, right? They grew up in church, right? <laughs> so they knew everything. They knew the gospel. They knew what it was to be born again. Uh, they, knew God, they knew, I guess, knowledge of God. And um, this was so interesting to me, especially when we were high. So every time we were high, I would ask them just questions about questions about God, 
They told me what it was to be born again. They told me the gospel, all these things. I, I think I remember even asking them, like, okay, if God is real, why did he make ugly people? Right? It's a dumb question, of course. Um, this goes on for uh, two years. And in my senior year of high school, I get a job uh, delivering pharmaceuticals for a local pharmacy. Um, so for two years, I'm just questioning, questioning, like wondering, wondering, wondering. They even give me a Bible, and um, I can't. I read it, and I, I, I don't understand it at all. So this goes on for two years until, um, and I know the exact date. I'll tell you why later, but August 16th, 1999. I am doing one of my deliveries for the pharmacy that I work for. I happen to go to a house in the city, um, local house, and I meet this older lady, her name is Simone. Um, she's bedridden, she can't get out of bed, so um, this is like 20 years ago, this is, so, so this is before Amazon and all that stuff. Uh, but she gets everything delivered to her, um, and um, so food, medicine, all that stuff. But I go to her house, I darken her, her doorstep. Um, what I don't know at the time, but I will know later as I get to know her, is Simone, even though she's laid up, she is a crazy, crazy believer. She loves God, and she knows who she is. And she knows all she does every day is read the Bible, watch a little Christian TV, uh, pray. But she knows God, and she knows her ministry is to preach the gospel to every delivery person that comes to her door. August 16th, 1999, I darken her doorstep. I come to her door, and she... Um, she just straight asks me, you know, do I know God, all these things. And I'm like, I don't know, I guess so, sure. But then we just have this long, long conversation. Um, it's like an, almost an hour. I'm just, we're just having this conversation. And it's so long that I can't even finish my other deliveries, right? I have to go home. <laughs> I go home. Um, but I go home in a, in a daze, right? Because I'm just like, what just happened, right? That's just random and weird. I don't know what's going on. Um, later on, I probably could w put words to it. It's revelations. You know, behold, I stand at the door and knock. But I don't know at that moment. So I go home in like a daze. She gives me a uh, Bible. The, I think the Bible I had before was KGB, so it even made no sense at all. But she gives me like an N NIV, the little uh, the New Testament and Psalms. So I go home, and that night is like 9 a.m., and I'm just like, I open the Bible, and I just start reading the Bible she gives me. And I don't understand a thing. I don't know what's going on, right? I'm like, this is dumb. Um, I close the Bible, and I remember Simone told me that God's love is like rain, and we all have an umbrella up against it. So I pray, God, take away that umbrella. I open back up the Bible. It just so happens to fall in Revelations 19, the second coming of Christ, Christ is coming with the sword, with, on his horse, with the armies of heaven behind him. And um, I see it. I see it in my mind. And um, I become a Christian right then and there. And I just, uh, like the passage says, I just know it. One minute I didn't know if I was Christian. The next minute I just, I just know. I know it so much that I remember like the date, August 16th, 1999. I remember I am jumping around my room alone with just pure joy because for so long for so long i wanted to find god i couldn't find him and he found me at that moment and uh it was just like andrew said the spirit of truth just came right to me i knew it so much that uh, the next day i remember running up the stairs to my friend's house 
Um, and I said, you know, Patrick, Patrick, his, his name was Patrick, you know, I'm born again. And he was like stunned. It was, and so um, that was 20 years ago almost. And uh, here I am still with you guys. So by God's grace. Good job, Jeff. Keep going. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> hey, uh, do you mind if I interview you a little bit just in the context of John 14? Yep. Okay, so, so our understanding is that um, in this interaction of coming to Jesus, we're going to define that right now as loving Jesus and obeying Jesus, it seemed like in the middle of this, you got help, right? Mm -hmm. Like you were just saying, I was reading the Bible. I don't understand it. I gave up. And then at that moment, it just seemed like something happened where at the end of it, you're jumping for joy in your room. I'm going to interpret that as God giving you the help that you needed through the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Right. And so tell me uh, the, the result of that. When, when the Holy Spirit helped you, how did he help you, I guess, is uh, the question. Because um, you remember the exact day, right? I do, yeah. Okay, so it was very definitive. You're jumping around for joy. You're filled with the Spirit, and you've been born again. Mm-hmm. Okay, how did that help you, I guess, is my question. Um, so after that, I just, um, I understood the Bible at that time. Okay. I, I just started to read the Bible, like, just voraciously, I, um, he helped me with just having a longing for church. You know, when I got to college the next month, I just signed up for every single fellowship out there. I remember marking the checkbox for worship. I didn't even know what worship was. I was not musically inclined. And so um, he helped me with, um, I was so excited that I found God that all I wanted to do was tell everybody, right? And so when I learned about missions, I was like, you can do that. I was like, yeah, sign me up. I signed up for any missions that came about. So, so it sounds like in the three things that you mentioned, it's like reading scripture, mm-hmm. getting involved in church and community, and even going and doing ministry and missions. But what's the common denominator in all those? Is These are things that Jesus called you to do, right? And so the Holy Spirit inspired you, helped you in fulfilling what Jesus was calling you to do in all those three areas and more, right? And so we kind of see the scripture being celebrated and realized in your testimony in life, which is so awesome. Right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for being up here. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that testimony. Um, I'm going to um, not cover any more verses and explain them. I think right now what I want to do is I want to just kind of wrap this all up and talk about, okay, what does this mean? In terms of application, maybe the question is, okay, so what? What does that mean? What does that mean for us? What, What are we doing here? What is Jesus calling us to do? What's the big point? Let me, let me frame it like this. Are you serious about following Jesus? If you are, you are going to need help. You cannot do this on your own. If you are serious about following Jesus, you need help, and God will give you that help in the form of his very own divine, empowering presence. Now, why are we doing this series? Because it's the new year. It's the new decade. I can't think of a better time to actually talk about the Holy Spirit. 
During January and the new decade, are you serious about following Jesus? If so, you are going to need help. You cannot do this on your own. You need the helper to help you do it. Maybe you're like, I'm like that mom who works all day, comes home, prepares dinner, and uh, uh, helps my kids with homework, and then my husband, my spouse come home, and very cranky, very cranky, and, and you're calling me to be kind? You're going to need help. You're going to need help. This is for, like, Jesus, you're calling me to love my mother-in-law. That is really hard. Jesus, you're calling me to be sexually pure. I've tried before. It's really, really tough. Jesus, you're calling me to work through conflict instead of just dropping relationships. That is really, really hard. Jesus, you're calling me to to care about uh, the people in our local community who are suffering when there's all these parts of my life that I haven't figured out yet. That is really, really hard, Lord. And just imagine Jesus saying, Right, I totally get it. I totally understand. I'm going to give you help in the form of the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you love me. And one of the first ways he's going to help you love me is he's going to help you see me. And then when you see Jesus, then you will fall in love. And as you fall in love, then you will obey. Uh, I want to end this message. um, You mean like... This is not typically how we end messages, but I'm talking to one of my friends who is an amazing prayer warrior, and uh, we are continuing to do listening prayer, and recently my friend, who I really respect, says to me, "I, I I think I've been hearing a word where God has been saying to me, you are kicking against the goads. I don't know if you know the context of that, but it's it's basically what Jesus said to Paul on the road to Damascus. You're kicking against the goads, right? A goad is like a stick, and when you want an animal to go a certain way, you spur it on. And if an animal's resisting, they don't kick against the goad. And so my friend said, Jesus said to me, you're kicking against the goad. And then, so we were talking about what this means, and then I come back to my friend maybe several days later, and and this friend says to me, actually, I don't think it's just for me. I think it's for the church. And I'm just going to tell you that really disturbed me. Because as a church, as a leader, I want to be a part of a church. I want to be a person who loves Jesus, who obeys Jesus and is really obedient to his prompting. And so this leader told me, I think our church, or what the Lord is saying is that we're kicking against the goads. I don't know what it means, but it bothers me. And so can I just ask for us, in maybe five minutes of listening prayer, just to say, Lord, I want to love you, I want to obey you, but I need clarity on how to do that. Maybe clarity for my community that I'm a part of, but also clarity for my life. 2010 and beyond. Lord, I want to love you and obey you, but I need help. I need clarity. And can we just listen to the Lord for four minutes, five minutes, and just say, God, speak to me. Am I kicking against the goads in some way? And if so, would you just make that clear to me so that I can love you and obey you, show me how. I'm going to invite Josh and the team just to come up and play some music.
we're just going to take some, a few minutes just to say, Lord, speak to me. Am I resisting you in any way? Is there a certain lack of obedience in my life that doesn't flow from love? Can you point that out to me? Can you make that clear to me? And I bet you that if you incline your heart and listen, I bet you the Holy Spirit will whisper something into your ear. But let's just be in that posture of listening. Church, I'm just going to ask you to hold out one hand unto the Lord. I'm just going to pray a little bit, and then we'll just have a little bit more time to listen. But uh, Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth, which means that you communicate truth to us. And if we're not going the right way, and you tell us, and you correct us, that's a amazing thing it's a kindness that you give to us that allows us to repent that allows us to say okay I want to do this different but I'm going to need your help that's, that's a great kindness so we just want to let our defenses down and, and incline our ear to you once more do you, if you have something for us to hear so we can better love and obey you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.